Okay? But the anointing which you have received of him abideth. Okay? Which actually means that, you know, in the Old Testament, what they used to do is that when someone was uh, given a position in position as king, as priest, as prophet, someone would anoint them, and what they would do is they would place oil on them, th which is a representative that God has touched them. So guess what God has done? He has touched you. Somebody say, God has touched me. How many are anointed? Anointed doesn't have anything to do with a gift. Anointing has everything to do with the fact that he's touched you. So somebody say, I've been touched. How many have been touched? We used to sing a song, I've been touched. So somebody said, I've been touched. All right. And ye need that any man teach you. Which means that the touch of God has given you the ability to not be taught by man's theology, by the world's theology, by the ways of the world. And here's something else that we need to understand. Just because the world put on some program that brings you what you think you, sh you want or have doesn't mean it's God's program for you. The kingdom operates separately than the world. Okay? Now, notice what it says. It says, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things, because God has touched you, God is going to teach you. Somebody say, God's going to teach me. So if God touched you, that means you're in the position to be taught by God. All right? So if you're going to want anything, if you want something from God, if you want to abide, then first of all, you've got to know that you're touched by God. Somebody say, I'm touched by God. Say, I'm touched by God. And not only am I touched by God, but guess what? God is going to teach me. He's going to teach me. That means that God is going to teach you how and show you how. This is very important. If you're touched by God, then that means that God is going to not only touch you, but he's also going to teach you. Somebody say, God's going to teach me. All right? So now, notice what it says. The same anointing teaches you all things, and is true, and lie not. And even as it taught you, he shall abide in you. Now, if he's abiding in you, it actually means that something's going to happen to you, which means you're going to be transformed. So, the three T's. First of all, God is going to touch you, God is going to teach you, and God is going to transform you. That's why I said that you got to submit to the process in order for you to receive the manifestation of what God's promised us. So the first thing is that, remember, God's going to touch you, which means he's got his hand upon you. The abiding spirit of God and the word of God is going to teach you. Amen? And then you're gonna, he's going to transform you. Okay? So if we understand that, then we could understand in Zechariah 4, 6. Then he answered and said unto me, saying, 
This is the word unto the Lord Jerubbabel, saying, Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, said the Lord of hosts. So what does that tell me? The teacher is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to teach you. He's going to abide by. It's not by power. It's not by your strength. It's not by anything that any of us have. It's all because of the abiding presence of God. Somebody said, I need God's abiding presence. You got to really say, I need God's abiding presence. Because I'm going to show you some things. I'm going to tell you some things that's really going to get you in a place that you're going to have to make some judgment calls on your own heart. Because as I begin to study this and begin to look at this, I have to make some own, my own choices. Okay? So if you're going to be successful, how many want to be successful in life? Okay. How many of you here have a business? Raise your hand high. I have a business. Everybody said I have a business. Okay. <clears throat> now, one of the things that you should know that, that the Bible doesn't um, uncover, uh, uncover to us, but in Jewish, in, Jewish, um, in Jewish day, Jesus was a carpenter, right? Well, if you really take a look at it, he was, if you look at it and look at the, the, the trade of that day, when they called him a carpenter, it also means stone cutter. One that stone cut. Now, Jesus says, <coughs> from the age of birth to the age of 30, he had to be involved in business. Whose business was he involved in? His father's business. Which means that Jesus, now, the reason why Jesus was, a, was considered a carpenter or a stone cutter is because he was a builder. Everything that God does, and listen to me carefully, Everything that God does, he does in the natural, which is a reflection of, this, of the supernatural or the unseen. So if he's building, his job was to build people. But he, first of all, had to build objects to know how to build. Understand what I'm saying? So he had to know business. Somebody said he has to know business. So he had to know how to look at something and analyze it and come to the conclusion that this was going to be the cost. So every, we always want to keep God outside of our lives, but God is directly in your life. And he's in your face. Amen? And so we need to understand what he's doing and what he's trying to do is to show us that he has the answer to every single problem. So he's a businessman. Amen? Somebody said he was a businessman. Until he launched off into his ministry, he had to make tables and cut stones and do whatever he had to do, and he had to come up with prices, and he had to come up with time, and he had to come up with every single thing that he needed to do to actually make a living. Somebody say amen. And so that tells us that when we are doing what we're supposed to do and we're doing the job, that means that God is showing us our purpose in what we do. That's why lazy people are not going to prosper. People that take advantage of others are not going to prosper. Because God has to do a work on you by what he has given you based on the purpose he has given you. Amen. All right. Now, I'm going to tell you something else. 
that this might be a little bit surprising to you, and maybe it's not. But when God tells us, and I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't talk about money and all that kind of stuff like that, but a light went off. And what it says is that, you know, bring your tithes and offerings to the storehouse. Did it say that? Opens up, and, and he'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you can, they don't have room to receive. You know what windows represent? In dreams, windows represent uh, visions or doorways that you can see out of that talks about the future. Okay? In the book of Malachi, what it actually talks about is that he will open up your heart and give you revelation on how to get more. All right? Now listen. When we give into the house of the Lord, when we give our tithes and our offerings and we give to others and we do that, what we are actually doing is that we are offering our life before God. Somebody said, what do you mean by that? Well, this is what I mean by that. Is that anytime somebody goes to work, you are taking time out of your life in order to bring or make money to survive. Right? Your time actually represents your life. And so when you get paid, that money is representative of your time in your life. Amen. And so when we give our time and our offering, what we're saying is, Lord, I'm giving you back part of my life that you gave me. Are you listening? And so if I give back part of my life in which I, he has given me, then that pleases him because what that says is that he's first. He is foremost. He is awesome. He is, I'm giving him the life that he gave me. I'm giving some of it back. Amen. I'm, I'm not going to stay on that, but I want, you to re I want you to understand this so when I get deeper into this, you understand exactly what I'm talking about. Okay? Amen. Somebody say amen. Now, in order for Jesus to, uh, uh, to uh, literally function in and operate in this natural world, several things had to happen. The first of all, he had to be the example to submit himself to God. He gets up, he goes down to the River Jordan. He submitted himself to baptism. When he comes up out of the water of baptism, the heavens open, and this is where we understand the open heaven. An open heaven means that God is available to you. I mean, want God to be available to you. So if God is available to you, that means that everything that you have, it, it, everything that he has, it has become available to you. But notice what it says. It becomes available to you because he says, uh, he, he does all the things that I ask him to do. He loves me. He submitted his life to me. And so he submitted his life to me so I could perform my purpose in his life. Which actually means that every one of us have to submit our life to him fully. You can't do 99 and a half. You can't do 99 and a four. 99 and a half just won't do. You have to give it all. You can't cheat him and say, I'm giving you 99 and two thirds. You gotta be able to give it all to him. It's either all or nothing. Anybody got it? So you have to give it all to him or nothing. And so every single one of us, including me, have to make our minds up if we're gonna give it all to him. Because if you give it all to him, there's th three things that are going to happen. You're going to go through. Make your mind up that you're going to go through. Count the cost. 
You've got to count the cost of every time something happens or something happened to you, you've got to know that's part of the cost that you're paying for God to actually continue to be in your life and support you in every single area of your life. Salvation is free, but the anointing you're going to pay for. If you want anointing in your life, you're going to have to pay for it. Why? Because the paying for it is because that you're going to submit your plan, your, submit your will and purpose to God, and what God is going to actually do is mold and shape you so he can use you. And that means he's going to come against your character. Now, Isaiah chapter number 11. This is good. Isaiah chapter 11, verse number 12. And I know the theology, I know the several theology behind that, but, I, but if you just listen to what I'm saying, when I tell you this, <coughs> you'll find out that there's some blessings in here. And the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, and the Spirit of counsel and might, and the Spirit of knowledge, and the, and the fear of the Lord. Who is that rested on? That's rested upon Jesus. Okay? So let me give you the definitions of this. Okay? So when we talk about this, we, he's talking about that this represents the fullness of the Holy Spirit in Christ's life. The Spirit of God rests upon him, and the Spirit gives him extraordinary wisdom, the Spirit that provides the ability to execute plans, and a spirit that produced absolute loyalty to God. The spirit of the Lord. Now, here's the definition. The spirit of the Lord. This is, uh, this is some of this is um, Hebrew. The spirit of the Lord. The anointing and the glory of God rested upon him. How many know that? Okay. So, if, he, if you have the Holy Spirit, how many have the Holy Spirit? As I indicated before, how many have the Holy Spirit? He's abiding. Somebody say he's abiding. If he's abiding, that means, and you're anointed, that means that you are, the anointing of God rests upon you and the glory of God rests upon you. Which means that his habitation is in you. It's sitting in you. It's right there with you. Somebody says, it's there with me. So the question always becomes is, why are you worried? Why are you concerned? Why are you stressed out when the anointing and the glory is resting upon you? One of the problems is that we don't know how to access the glory. We don't know how to access the anointing, and when you don't know how to access it, then it worries you. Now, if you, gotta, if you begin to understand how to access the anointing, how to access the glory, then guess what? You'll manifest. The spirit of wisdom, skillful wisdom, with a wise wit and one of the other Hebrew words is creativity which means that that God will give you creativity give you skill and give you understanding beyond others I'm going to show you He'll give you understanding and give you understanding and wisdom beyond others around you. That's how God gets his people to stand out. Remember Daniel and when they got uh, captured in, 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 uh, in Babylon and the children, they outskilled everybody in, in math, science, and all the languages. The, it was God's people that outdid them all. 
The Bible says they exhaled. Well, how did they excel? Because the hand of God touched them. They were taught by God, and they were transformed by God. And this is why many of us, I'm just throwing sidebars in, this is why uh, we need to get our children in the Word of God so that they can excel in every single area. Why? Because the anointing rests in my home. The anointing rests in my house. The anointing of God and the glory of God rests there. Number three, the spirit of understanding, the ability to connect dots and how things work and knowing how it actually works. You know, sometimes what happens is that you read instructions and you follow the instructions. But guess what? If you follow instructions, the instructions are given by somebody else to you and you just follow them. But the actual blueprint and the actual plan should always come from above. Are you listening to what I'm saying? If you want to have the knowledge, then you've got to ask God to open up your knowledge and understanding. Now, this is the God's glory. I can look at any program on, on in, the, in any operating system. Give me a few days, I'll figure it out without even reading. I can just look at it. I can just click on the buttons and just see, oh, this works like this and that works like that. And then I understand there's a basic way things operate and my understanding opens up and I can do it. There's people with degrees and stuff like that and to God's glory, he has given me knowledge beyond some of them and they can't even do some of the simple stuff. And so I glorify him because he has given me that ability and guess what? You have ability too. In your field, and your knowledge, you have the ability to do the same thing. But some of us don't recognize how we can do that. And I'm going to show you that in a minute. The spirit of counseling. Knowing the mind and heart of God. So once I know the mind and the heart of God, see, if I understand the heart of God, the first thing that's going to happen is that I'm going to understand that God's heart is for people. Let me go a little deeper. God's heart is for people in spite of them. God's heart is for people in spite of their actions, in spite of their ways, in spite of what they do, in spite of that. I can still love them like God loves them. Now, here's something that's a little funny I think people need to understand. You see, sometimes you've got to love people hard, and sometimes you've got to love them soft. Love people hard means that sometimes you've got to rebuke them. Ain't nobody saying nothing. Just like your children. They do something wrong, what do you do? You rebuke them because you what? Love them. And sometimes, some people, you've got to rebuke them because God loves them. Ain't nobody saying too much, but it's okay. It's still true anyhow. The next one is the spirit of might. Supernatural ability. The, sp the spirit of knowledge. Seeing things through God's eyes. Seeing everything that you do, you got to be able to see it through God's eyes. And the fear of the Lord is talking about walking in the character of Jesus. Walking in the character of Jesus. Amen? And so now, the thing is, is that what is it that you are dealing with what is it that you need God to do in your life to give you revelation, to give you understanding, to give you whatever you need to actually progress forward 
in the areas of your life so that you can be successful. God is never going to actually put you in a place where you're going to fail. He will always put you in a place of success. Amen? And so if you put, are in the place of success, that means God is propelling you there. And sometimes what we do is we get frustra frustrated with the weight. But can I give you the real truth about it? The problem is not God. The problem is us. We are in the way. And if you're in the way, God's got to get you out of the way so that he could do what he wants to do in your life so that he will direct your path. Notice what the Bible says in St. John chapter 16. So you can go there. You might have to turn these, just turn them off here. John chapter 16. How many have the Holy Spirit? Amen. How be when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. He's going to guide you into the word that explains who he is in the word that propel, propel you into what you're supposed to be doing, your purpose, your, his plan, and the areas of your life that you need. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall speak, that, that he, he, he would, he, but whatsoever he shall hear, that would he shall speak. And he will show you things to come. Which means that he's going to show you your future. And he's going to show you your future based on the fact that, guess what? He heard that God has a future for you. And guess what? God has a what? Future for me. Verse 16, 14. He shall glorify me. Now, when you talk about glory, see, when we talk about glory, what we always talk about, oh, was that a glorious service? And all we saw was a shout. When you read Isaiah chapter number 6, he said, the glory will be seen upon you. Which actually means that people will see the glory actually sitting and resting upon your life. If people don't see something different about you, something is wrong. Let me say it again. Somebody needs to see something different about you. They don't need to see the old, same old attitude that you had last week. They don't need to see the same old stuff that you were talking about two, three years ago. And they don't need you to see talking about what the kingdom is not. How is it that you're going to talk about the kingdom that you're supposed to be part of? When you're supposed to be abiding in the kingdom and making changes in the kingdom. Because we all should understand the heart of God. God's heart is to get you to another place. And that means that everybody's traveling along this, this process in order for you to be perfected in God so that you can really reflect God and God gets the glory out of your life. Okay? Now, all things that the Father has, notice what he says here, and I, and I want you to key in on verse 15. All things that the Father have are mine. Therefore I, that I shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. So all the promises of God are what? A and what? Amen. I've heard people make this, these, these, these statements before. I understand what they mean, but really we need to change our, 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 our vocabulary. Okay. Uh, well, God says no sometimes. No, God never says no. He never says no. Why? Because if you're asking for what he promised, it's always yes. 
Whatever God promised you is yours. Now, whether you actually get in the position to receive the promise is up to you, but all the promises are available for everybody. Somebody say, all the promises are available to me. All of them are available to me. Now, this, this, this particular, um, this particular um, revelation that um, I was looking at and researching, and um, it was really um, surprising to me. It was really a little bit um, overwhelming because I didn't know. You know, sometimes people will actually cause you um, because of the fact that they they don't want you to know and they want to keep God out of the picture and sometimes you know when you try to put God in the grave when you try to put God in a box when you try to put God somewhere he seems to seep out all the time he seems to come out of there sometime and just show that I'm God and beside me there is no other so how many know George Washington Carver how many know him we learned about him in history, right? Right? Did you know he was a, a Baptist filled, tongue-talking believer? You didn't know that, did y'all? Guess what? I'm with you. I didn't know. And when I did the research on him, I found out that he was a tongue-talker, Baptist tongue-talker, taught Sunday school and was a pastor for a little bit. They didn't tell you that. He was born from, 18, from 1864 to 1943. He was a black man that came out of, uh, 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 um, his family came out of slavery, and he was raised, and we, all we know is that he did some fabulous, fabulous discoveries. But we didn't know how he got this discovery, but we found out how he got it. And, uh, and once you find out, this should be very encouraged because it encouraged me. He was a tongue-talking Baptist <laughs> believer. He prayed every morning at 4 o'clock. Every morning he would get up and he would pray at 4 o'clock in the morning. He would go out, out of his house and go into the woods and he would pray. And he had, and get, and, and he had a passion for, in, in, for, for science. He had a passion for plants and he had a passion for nature. He had a passion for all these things. So he would, uh, uh, history says that he would go out and he would go look up to God. And he, one day, he looked up to God and he says this. And in his, in his uh, prayer life, he would always say, call God Mr. Creator. And this is one of the, he says, Mr. Creator, one night, uh, one night God addressed him as Mr. Uh, George Washington Carver was one of the greatest scientists that often pray and address God as Mr. Creator. One night, he walked out into the woods and prayed and said, Mr. Creator, why did you make the universe? He listened, and this is what he heard. Little man, that question is too big for you. Take, try another. The next night, he walked in the, the woods and prayed, and Mr. Creator, um, he said, Mr. Creator, why did you make man, meaning the human race? He listened and heard this. Little man, that question is still too big for you. Try another. The third night he went out into the woods and prayed and, and said, Mr. Creator, why did you make a peanut? This is, why he, and this is what he heard. Little man, that question is just your size. You listen and I will teach you. And 
And you may know that George Washington invented over 300 ways of the peanut. Do you know what he did? He would pray in the spirit and go in his God laboratory and shut the door and God would show him the element of the peanut. It says, change this element over here, and it changed the structure, and that invented something. Did y'all hear what I said? He would pray in the Spirit, and then until God answered him, and God would show him, change the element of the peanut, and put it over here, and put this over here, and it changed the structure, which created something else. He did it with the sweet potato. 115 different uses of the sweet potato. And what he would do was pray in tongues until he saw it with his eyes and he performed it with his hands. Did y'all hear what I said? This one man came up. Um, he was doing a, sem a seminar, a business seminar, and he says, he says, um, this one man who was a, was a billionaire, and he asked him, well, how did you get to be a billionaire? He said, I prayed in tongues. I prayed in tongues until the ideal came. When the ideal came, I acted upon the ideal, and I increased. See, everybody liked to hear about the money. But what about the Spirit of God that is moving upon you so that you could do the will and the purpose of God? And here's how humble George Washington Carver was. When they tried to, uh, he would give away his ideals because God gave it to him. He gave it to humanity. He produced more millionaires from giving away his ideals than any other person in the world. <laughs> He was praying in tongues. And all he would ask is, Lord, show me the secrets of the universe. And God said, I can't show you the secrets of the universe, but I'll show you this, and I'll show you that, and I'll show you this, and I'll show you that. So what is it that you need God to show you? See, people say, oh, that praying in tongues don't work, all that kind of stuff like that. But I'm a witness, it does work. You know why it works? I'm going to go a little deep on you. You know why it works? Because it shuts your natural mind down. You prayed it enough. Your mind, your actual mind, scientists have proved that when you actually speak in your heavenly language or when you pray in the spirit, the frontal lobes that actually is active begins to shut down. And something else happens in your brain, which they, the scientist says I, we can't really explain. And you go out on YouTube. You can check me out. It shuts down this part of the brain, and if you're a Buddhist or someone that meditates, that lobe of your brain actually opens up wider. <laughs> so guess what? He's abiding. Somebody say he's abiding. Let me show you something. Let me give you a couple of quotes that he had. This is, this is some stuff that is profound to me. But I want you uh, to really hear this because I think this is powerful stuff. And I'm going to be finished and then I'm going to um, minister to some people that I was praying on. God is going to reveal to us, this is what George Washington Carter, and this is what his, some of his quotes that he actually quoted. This is his quotes that he got from his revelation of the Father. His revelation of God gave him quotes 
or gave him sayings that he put in his life and was activated. And so you need to uh, really, uh, you can find this stuff on the internet and you could actually find it. It says, God is going to reveal to us things he never revealed before if we put our hands in his. No book ever goes into my laboratory. Notice what he says. He don't put books in his laboratory because he didn't need to research her because as he's praying in the spirit, God opens up the door for him and he just do what he sees. All credit belongs to him. All glory belongs to him. These things I am to do and the way of doing it, it has been revealed to me. I have never gone groping for methods. The method is revealed to me the moment I am inspired to create something new. Without God to draw aside the curtain, I would be helpless. Which actually means that all of us, we have curtains in our lives that blinds us to the reality of what's behind the curtain. It stops us from going forward. On your job, in your home, in your marriage, in your family, in your finances, there's a curtain, there's a veil dividing you between the reality of who God has called you to be and what God wants to give you. It's actually divided. And all God has to do is kindly pull the curtain out and you'll see the answer. That's how simple it is. But we make it hard. You know why we make it hard? Because we become traditionalized. Listen, when I first got saved, I believed everything. God says he could heal, but I was hitting everything on the table. Everything that was moving, I was hitting. Because notice what I'm saying. Notice what I'm saying. I had a passion for it. See, I had developed a passion for the supernatural. And when you develop a passion for something, what you'll do is you'll run after it. You'll become hungry for it. See, some of us haven't developed a passion for anything. We just think everything's just supposed to come our way. And if everything comes your way, then guess what? You'll never develop a God passion for anything, which means that you'll live life based on need, not on purpose. Anybody say nothing? Listen, my prayers seem to be more of an attitude than anything else. I indulge in very little lip service, but I ask the great creator silently, daily, and often, many times a day, to permit me to speak to him through three great kingdoms of the world which he has created, animals, minerals, and vegetable kingdoms, to understand their relationship to each other and our relationship to them and to God who, and to great God who made all of us I asked him daily and often momentarily to give me wisdom, understanding, and bodily strength to do his will. Hence, I'm asking and receiving all the time. Anybody saying nothing? No individual, and this is for everybody. This is for me and everybody in here. Everybody. No individual has a right to come into this world and go out without leaving behind a distinct and legitimate reason for having passed through it. You come here. You're not supposed to be uh, sitting around and, and, and having everybody do for you. You're supposed to be up doing something to make a mark in this world for God's glory. Are you understand what I'm saying? My people have searched why 
high wire for the key to success. If they only knew the key to their dreams lies within, it lies within. What it means that you have the Holy Spirit, guess what? The key is within. It's not way out there. It's not way up there. It's not over there. It's within you. The key. The key is your communication and your prayer to God. I'm going to read this last one, which I think is, um, to me, is very profound. Anything will give up its secrets if you love it. I'm going to say it again. Anything will give up its secrets if you love it enough. Not only have I found that when I talk to the little flower or to the little peanut, they will give up their secrets, but I found that when I silently commune with people, they'll give up their secrets also, if you love them enough. You hear that? Do you hear that? God wants to make you successful. He wants to make you the top of the heap. Not of everybody, top of everybody else, but he wants to make, put on display who he is through you. Your problem has answers. And if you have the Holy Spirit, the answer is within you. Let me tell you something else that's uh, kind of really profound. And I've said this before, but you know, sometimes I know people don't li really listen. When we worship and when we praise God, when we worship, we praise God, the weight of God, the glory of God comes down. That's the way we look at it, but really the glory of God comes out. Why? Because you're, he's abiding in you. And so when we worship and praise God, then the glory of God comes out and it begins to feel the atmosphere, the presence of God is there. And I've always said this, and I even understand it more now than I ever did before, is that when we praise and we worship God, what happens is that when God comes into manifestation, everything about God is brought into manifestation too. The mind, the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding, the fear of the Lord, everything comes into manifestation. It's up to you to grab the peace that you need when it comes. Are you listening to what I'm saying? The knowledge, the wisdom, the understanding. It's all available when the glory of God comes into manifestation because when you come in, when you come into contact with the glory of God, all the ideals and all the ideals and all the things, all the problem solving, all the things that will solve your problem comes into manifestation with it. Matter of fact, not only does the problems get solved, your bones get healed. That means that if you have a liver condition, it gets fixed. It means bones come back together. It means limbs grow out. Eyes pop back in. Everything comes into manifestation because there is a glory. There is a profound realm of glory that God begins to open up to his, his people. You have the answer. You have the answer. It's in you. It's not always the pastor. It's not always the minister. It's not always the evangelist. And we need to quit running around to every prophet that comes around. You have the prophetic utterance within your own self. He's there. Now, I, we need those. So I'm not discrediting any of those. Those things, uh, those individuals, those uh, uh, persons of the prophet and all that, we need them because they're confirmation of what God has already spoken to us in time. 
helps us. But you can't get away from the Holy Spirit that is abiding within you. If he's abiding. How many know he's abiding? You're waiting for things, something to happen, but you've got to make things happen. You've got to speak stuff out. You got to declare things. I've been saying, declare it, declare it, declare it, declare it, declare it, declare it, declare it. Go into God in prayer and declare your victory. Declare that God has got it. Declare the answer is within you. Everybody in here has an issue. Everybody in here has problems that we're dealing with. Guess what? You will never, ever be without a problem. Let me give you the reality check. When you came in here, you count the cost up, and you decided, whether you liked it or not, that I want Jesus. When you said you wanted Jesus, Jesus says, okay, I want you. In order for you to be like me, you got to be processed. That means you're going to go through. So just prepare yourself to go through tests and trials. Right? Stop worrying about what other people say and just do what you're supposed to do. Keep loving folks. They don't love you? Okay. So just keep loving them back. He calls a fire on them. Make them pay by loving them. <laughs> I'm just telling you. The Bible says you'll find that they'll, they'll start condemning themselves. They might not say anything to you, but guess what? They, they'll, they'll start saying, I, I shouldn't have treated them like that. And sometimes the same people that talked about you is the same one that comes to you to ask for help. A soft answer turns away wrath. Your brothers and sisters in church, they're going through things just like you are. So sometimes you just got to let it go. Sometimes they got attitudes and whatever, whatever has done, and you just become the recipient of what they just went through. Let it go. You don't want to go into heaven and they won't find your name there because of some stupid situation that really didn't mean too much of anything. Hey, listen to me. God is not playing. We are in a mess. And the body of Christ is in a, in a, a, a place that God is going to set off revival in this area. And the Spirit of God is going to move mightily. And you need to be connected to Him. You don't need to be the outcast. You need to be connected to Him. You need to learn how to pray in the Spirit. Do you know what praying in the Spirit does? I've been doing it for years and years and years and years. The first time I did it, I felt so stupid. Well, here I am praying in tongues. You know, that's the devil talking to you. They, you prayed in tongues, you prayed in this language, you didn't even know what you said. You might as well just stop. You look dumb. And the thing about it was nobody around but me. <laughs> but that's the kind of stuff that they didn't even come and say, say those kind of things. But guess what? Now, if I don't pray in tongues, there's a problem. Paul makes a statement that I pray in tongues more than you all. Why did he say that? Because he understood that revelation comes with it. He understood that he could get into the heavenly realm by praying in the Spirit. He understood that he could actually go in and God will speak to him and show up in his prayer life and talk to him because of his prayer language. And people today, they're trying to dismiss it. 
Jensen Franklin makes this statement. He says, if we do not teach our children the importance of praying in the Spirit, we're going to lose it. We can't lose it. We're not going to lose it. And that's why it's important to keep your children close to the, 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 the fire. Our God is a what? Consuming fire. He is. 